The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 306 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the wrong Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing today? What is happening? Absolutely not wrong. You're talking about the wonderful thing we did with uh, Joe Pisapia and Fantasy Pros, where we got to throw down. Once a year, yeah. I do this with Fast. It's really funny. The one time I get to like facetiously be upset. Um, and I cannot believe how many lies you spat during this. Yeah, you even it's tweeted insane. about it. The best part about that is I, so as upset. I came clean in that podcast, I don't have my ranking. So it was like, yeah. a, it, it was just a pure arbitrary nothingness for me. I just got to yell and have fun and like. It was so silly. Uh, it's like, I'm, I don't, I, I, you're, you're yelling at me and then you're like, oh yeah, I would have him in the same place, maybe even lower. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I may fully make my top 100 completely contradictory just out of spite, just for fun, oh my God. just to point back and be like, how could you ever think this, Nick? And that's exactly what we're doing today. By the Unreal. way, we're breaking down. We're continuing on our, uh, you know, on our breakdowns here of Nick's top 100 list. We did 30 through uh, 30 through 39. No, 30 through 31 through 40. Excuse You're me, doing last great. Week. Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> 31 through 40 last week. Today, we're doing 41 through 50. We're going to have later on this week, uh, 51 through 60. But that's not where we're at right now. I said yeah. where we're at right now, 31 through 40. Um, yeah, you got this. Before we do that, you guys got to be checking out those player pages. Even mm. though they have spin on them, they are absolutely perfect <laughs> player pages. No, I'm joking. Nick and I were having a conversation about spin earlier. They're great player pages. They've been very instrumental for me in my research. And something tells me we might need to be doing a lot more research real soon because maybe some positive steps with the with the PA and, and MLB today. Oh, that would be so great. I, I, I would love to think that they will strike a deal um, at the end of their week of meetings, that'd be wonderful. But yeah, about the the PL7 pages very quickly. Uh, it's something we're really excited about that we're going to continue to build upon. So if there are elements to this page that you think, you know what, this has to be there, or I want to see that, let me know. Reach out to us on Twitter. Um, we will be updating through the year. Um, right now, it's just about fine-tuning everything that we have and making that the best experience it can be. And then we will be adding stuff in the future. So definitely let us know. Very exciting stuff. It's all coming together and getting better and better each day. 
Like I said, we're talking through 41 through 50. Oh, my today. God. And, you, you will uh, get this down at some point, I'm sure. Oh, I, yeah, I thank God people can just look at the title of the show and, <laughs> and, uh, and hop on into this. Now, Nick, um, recently you've been, yeah. you've been hounding me. I don't want to say hounding me, but you've been hounding me to create my top 100 list. And I decided that in order to best do that, I could probably just research more extensively the pictures that we were going to be talking about in that podcast for mm-hmm. today. And that's what I did today. So it's going to be a little bit different because I don't know if I'm going to be pushing back, but for the first six guys, at least you could definitely hit that. I've got another person that I've researched a lot button oh, because we're going real deep today. We're going to start it off uh, with a guy that for all intents and purposes on this list is just considered a pitcher. And that is Shohei Otani rounding it out at number 41. Nick, talk a little bit about Shohei Otani. So I saw your wonderful tweets today. I thought they were great. There were a lot of them. There were a lot. I'm going to let you talk about them. Uh, I know I do this thing where I talk about everything you're going to say beforehand, and I won't do it today. It's my faves. (laughs) What what I am going to tell you is that Shohei Otani, despite being healthy the entire season, all of last season, still only through 130 innings and 23 starts. That, in some ways, describes him as a hipster to me, where he's a headache-inducing starting pitcher that stifles the entire roster. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, let's say Shoei Otani is healthy again through the full year. You won't know what weeks Otani is actually going to be pitching. If you remember last year, Joe Madden, like two days before, says, yeah, I think we're going to skip him this week. You know, and it's just you're you're sitting there as a fantasy manager going, what? This is all right. I guess no Otani this week. And this was the fully healthy Otani. I would you know, be so happy if Otani goes the full season still being healthy. But hey, this is a worry that we've had for a while about him is that it's not easy to play two positions through a full year. So mm-hmm. if you do get healthy Otani, I hope it's the same 318 ERA 109 whip and a 29 percent strike rate from last year. There's no guarantee that it is. The splitter was insanely good. So was that slider. But the fastball did get hit. I'm not going to spoil your bit. I'm going to just let you tell us more about that heater. Um, but I, Otani should be very good when he starts. Mm. I I just don't know when I'm going to get uh, those starts. And that is something of consideration that has me right now at 41. I was tempted to put him behind it. Um, but as you guys know, there's this tier 5.5 that fast thinks is an atrocity mm-hmm. for existing in the first place. So, sure, I'll call this tier quote unquote six for you. Um, and if you wanted to, uh, if you want to take a chance and really go for something more impactful, then go ahead and go with Otani. But if you want something safer, you go with the guys later on. And I will say the first two guys in tier six or I guess seven or whatever, the next two guys. I think I'm going to actually be putting into the tier above 5.5 um, for my next update. So I'll get, oh, I'll get to that in okay. a moment. But I, but just for the record, Otani should help you. And that's the thing. is like I felt very confident. Otani, over the year, if you always have him starting, will help you. It's just you can't expect it to be more than 130 innings. Yeah, so I'm doing some quick math here real quick because I, 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 I'm I doing quick math real quick because I fully agree with you that um, the innings are a big concern. Um, and last year I was wrong in our bet because I thought that he was not going to exceed 100 and he did at 130. Oh, that's but right. Let's we say that. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot. Let's you say, know, I remind you like every week. I yeah, exactly. Right it's all right. I won the McCullers <laughs> one. Uh, sure let's say he let's say he pitches once a week 
and does six innings every week. Okay. That's a cap of 156 innings, right? Sure. There could theoretically be some weeks where he pitches twice, but like you said, they just seem like they are few and far between. I just really have a difficult time seeing a world in which he gets over 150 innings. Like I can't even imagine being John Madden. Let's say we finally have the angels in a playoff hunt, which is what we're all dreaming. So we could see Trout and Shohei Otani together in the playoffs, right? Are you going to be pushing? I mean, I guess it depends on if they've locked in a playoff spot or not, but like, would you want to push Otani to hit and pitch and then have him for the playoffs? Yeah, that, that, So I, I think that 150 cap is, is a little bit, you know, kind of hard for me um, to imagine exceeding. It's a pretty firm deadline and, and then you, or cap. And not to mention, yeah, go ahead. I mean, once a week, Otani, I would be thrilled about that. As a yeah, pitcher. if we could get that. They don't do that. They don't yeah. do it. And yeah, the I, other... I, I see Steamer with 28 starts and 165 innings. I see all these projections. They're crazy. Zips, the bat me. ATC. And it's all expecting more yeah. than last year. And how? I just, I don't know how, right? I mean, it's not even, you could, if you know that he's going to be 100% healthy, like you understand that maybe he gets one or two fewer days off. But then there's that weight of, well, there's no guarantee, especially with Otani. I think it's heightened the relative of the other pitchers. So it's, you can't, you can't do that. I think 130 is like the, the, the hope here for Otani. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm also taking a yeah, I'm taking a look at um Jeff Zimmerman's projected injury days too and he's about 30.8 which would be about six starts. So even if he does hit the IL, I don't know, there's a lot there, but then you brought up the other thing that I kind of found out where so I was looking at his arsenal overall. Obviously the splitter's fantastic. It's a great swing and miss pitch. The slider is also a really good swing and miss pitch, but the fastball is not great. It doesn't it gets hit fairly hard. It's a below right. average fastball. Um, the the underlying metrics don't indicate that it's also a, a pitch that's due for another kind of rise in performance. Um, then I was like, well, maybe it doesn't matter so much because he can throw the slider effectively in the zone, right? He actually had the second highest in-zone slider rate in baseball uh, behind you, Darvish. Um, 59% zone rate, according to pitch FX. That's crazy. It, it's pretty wild. Like it, he's actually, I think he was one of 15 uh, or maybe even fewer that uh, had a higher zone rate than 50%. So more than half of his sliders were in the zone. So he can clearly throw that pitch for strikes, but then that led me down deeper into an even crazier rabbit hole um, where I had some conversations with people, some who I can name some who I don't, they just DM to me. So I don't know if they want to be discussed or not, but he's got two different four seamers which is really interesting. I took all of his four seamers and I bucketed them by velocity. Mm -hmm. And there's a very significant amount in both 97 plus and 97 below. Right. And 97 plus is a very good pitch for him. He has great results when it's 97 plus a lot of swing and misses, not a lot of contact, but when he's below 97, which is more often than not, it gets hit and it gets hit hard, which brings up two schools of thought that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on one he dials it back when he's behind in counts, which would not be good because then what he's doing is throwing a weaker fastball to opponents waiting to see a fastball, right? If it's a three sure, ball yeah. count, they know a fastball's coming and now he's taking off velocity or someone else on Twitter uh, whose, whose name I don't remember right now. I should look it up real quick. So I want to make sure I give them credit pointed out that he increases his velocity as the start continues. He's yeah, actually one of the stuff. Yeah, Otani does insane. that. So does like Carlos Rodon did it last year. Verlander in his peaks would do that. 
Uh, my take on that from Otani is it's a good thing that he's not doing max ever because I think that's what helped him stay healthy for as long as he did. But it doesn't mean that the fastball is going to get dramatically better. Mm. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Otani is the splitter. Honestly, I think it could take a step back. I mean, if you guys remember the, the ridiculous records, the uh, <laughs> do you know what the WRC plus was on uh, Otani's splitter? And keep in mind, is it negative? It's negative 24. Uh, it's it. keep in mind that's only when there's an event, right? A plate appearance that ends on it. So it was 139 plate appearances over 370 thrown. That's still actually really high, uh, nearly 50%. Uh, that's that's crazy. Um, not not 50. I'm sorry. Bad maths. Not your good quick maths. Um, but uh, 78 strikeouts on the pitch too. It's an insanely good one. Um, he didn't throw it really with uh, with three balls either. Like he that was always when he was ahead, which always helps things as well. But yeah, that splitter probably isn't going to ha- hold batters to a 0.85 batting average again. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's It feels like it might get worse for Otani instead of better because of the way it would get better is the fastball and how it get worse yeah. is the splitter not performing as well. So and overall, I think I'm avoiding and there's a temptation in me to push him past even tier six as well. But it's just the fact that like I still believe that overall, Otani will help your team. Um, it's just about how much you're going to get out of him. Yeah. And it's also two, well, two things. One, it was uh, Mario at DGen ZGZ who gave nice. me that tip about the thing, uh, the velocity increasing. So thanks for that. And then um, it's really tough to break it down because if you're getting this production and you're, he's a dual eligibility player, then it actually doesn't matter as much, right? Mm. Then he becomes again, then he's probably a first round pick. He's, right? he's one, one in a uh, daily league. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, because he could theoretically get you 120 to 140 innings with a low three ERA and a very good amount of Ks. Plus, he's getting you all those home runs. But if he is a single, you know, if you're just asking me as a pitcher, I think Nick and I kind of both agree to drop him down a little bit. The next guy that I wanted to talk about, uh, number 42 on your list is Chris Bassett. Yeah. Uh, a guy that we've talked a little bit about. We had a kind of crazy realization a couple of weeks ago that he actually had the third best woba on four seamers over the past two or three years he has a 250 woba on that four seamer uh another guy that i dug into pretty extensively but i really want to hear your thoughts on chris bassett first so i messed up a lot last year because our old player pages combined fastballs it was a bug that was going on and we couldn't really fix it in time and then we were like you know what we're getting stat cast so we're just gonna work on that instead uh, and separating the two, that is the sinker and the four-seamer for Bassett, illuminated to me that his four-seamer had a 15.6% swing strike rate last year. And, oh, my God, he had a strikeout pitch, and I didn't realize it. Uh, meanwhile, the sinker, and this is cool. By the way, we updated our player pages already. We've already done bug fixes. Um, now we have the show MLB average completed and live on the site for individual pitches so it's not any longer all pitches combined you can actually see what the mlb average is for a sinker for a hard contact rate and that's 32 percent while bassett's sinker is only 26 percent and for mm. a sinker that's really good that's great it's propelling bassett being the 20th best starter in hard contact that is hard hit per plate appearance at about 22 percent and that's what makes bassett really good if you ask me is that it's just a sinker that just doesn't get hit it's an elite called strike rate at 27 percent and you have this cutter, changeup, slider, curve. You have this like weird kitchen sink of stuff yeah. that is that never really is anything that I get excited about. Some days one of them works, like some days the cutter is good, or maybe the changeup. Sometimes he gets a lot of strikes one day with the curveball. 
I don't buy into any of them being a very significant part of his arsenal. But the fact that Bassett has a sinker that gets a ton of outs, doesn't get crushed, and you have a four-seamer that actually puts batters away and misses bats effectively, effectively, that to me, inside of Oko, that is Oakland Coliseum, I mean, he may be traded, fine, but means that Bassett will not hurt you in 12-teamers. And he had 315 ERA last year, 106 whip. I don't expect that to repeat for Bassett. Mm. But 3-5, ERA with a 115 whip and like a 22 to 23% strikeout rate, sure. Sign me up. He's he's like a he's a Holly instead of a Toby, right? Sure. The best he's of a, the Tobies. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, the yeah. He's he's the he's the he's the top of the line there. So I I would feel comfortable with Bass. I always talk about my four starters I have to feel comfortable with. And that's part of the reason why I think I'm going to be moving Bassett and Ian Anderson up because I would feel a lot more confident with those two that they won't harm me through the year. And so Bassett's really safe and just helpful. And I think he's going to do more for your fantasy team than Otani is right now. So he's going up. I agree with you on the overall sentiment for sure. And the more I dug into Bassett, the more interested I was. I actually want to push back a little bit on the the, the four-seamer and why he took the jump in Ks. Mm. I, I personally think the reason he took the jump in Ks is because of that slider. The, the, the K percentage was actually pretty much in line with what he had over the course of his career. The swinging strike rate above 10%, like it has been for the first four or five years, came down ever so slightly it's still very nice to have a 14 percent. so it's obviously a really good pitch for him but even when he had that 14 percent swing strike rate on the fastball last year it was a 21 percent or in 2020 it was a 21 percent k rate the new career sure. high in strikeouts he went to that slider 25 percent in two strike counts to righties this year he had never gone above like 10%, I think, since like 2019 or 2018 or something like that. He really started to incorporate this pitch as a two-strike pitch to righties, and it seems like they started to to fall for it a little bit more. That's interesting. I only, yeah, only threw 10% of the time overall, but 25% in two-strike counts. That's interesting stuff. 18% overall swing strike rate, jumping up from 12%. Very good point. Um, I think in 2020, when I saw Bassett being 21% K rate and whatnot, I kind of thought, like, how is he getting anything? Um, And that was more of just an overall mystery. And then the four-seamer revealed itself. Sure. Um, And that made me understand, like, oh, that's the kind of thing. But, yeah, maybe, yeah, the slider coming to fruition certainly is a positive. At the same time, it's not consistent. Um, And I would worry that that if that's what made him have a 25% strike effort, then it should probably come down to 22-23. Um, it might be, yeah, but I, but yeah, I mean the you know, changeup isn't that an eight percent swing strike rate on that one, eleven percent on the cutter. Now the the curveball had a twenty percent swing strike rate, so maybe one of the two between a, a curveball slider and then maybe the four seamer also being one. Overall, I think Bassett is just solid, um, and a, a separate tier, significantly away from wow. guys like. Descofani and uh, Adam Wainwright and all that kind of stuff. What, did, what are you reacting to? Because uh, I, I was just doing a little bit more digging based off what you said. Because I was like, oh, I wonder if there is. A, a, so you're right. Obviously, not a lot of not a lot of sliders. You only threw it ten percent. Okay, so it doesn't go to yeah. the pitch often. Fifty percent of his sliders were in two strike counts. There you go. He was just like, yeah, all right, we're here because it makes sense, right? It never really was a weapon that he used in his arsenal, and now he has right. this two oh, yeah. strike pitch. There it is. Yeah, when they're two strikes, fifty percent behind, only threw it seven percent of the time, and then early. So he sometimes tried to surprise it um, at forty nine percent, right? Half of them, 
or there. But yeah, seeing a 50% two strike, that's in the approach tab on the player pages. You can check that out. That's very uh, nice. It's, it's cool stuff. Definitely not a good put, put away rate, though. But no, that's, it's not efficient. <laughs> it's it's not efficient. Bad. But also, I wonder if, too, like, to your point about not keeping up, it maybe he got ahead to 25% K rate because it was a new weapon for him. And next year, the mm. book is out a little bit more for right-handed hitters to be like, hey, man, he's probably going to throw you a slider and a two-strike count now. Look right. out for that. By the way, just we're talking about Bassett's put-away rate uh, for sliders, which is like... Nick, can you give me the most random little stat about something? Sure. Chris Bassett's put-away rate on sliders that he threw 10% of the time. If you don't know, put-away rate is essentially when this pitch is thrown in a two-strike count. How often does it result in a strikeout? Okay? Mm -hmm. The league average on sliders is 26% because we have that. And just 13.4% on Bassett's slider. So, again, not efficient with it. Wait, hold on. That's what I'm saying, at least. I wonder if we're calculating that correctly. Oh, is that right? Well, I mean, because I saw the lead average at 26% makes me think that we are. Yeah, his his put-away rate's 27% in this slider. Okay, there's some disconnect then. We got to look into that. Noted. We're working on this. Working on it. Working on it. Working on it. Working on it. That's that's very helpful. Um, Interesting. What's the league average then? Because I got a 26%. For sliders? Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, then we'll figure it out. Anyway, Chris Bassett, pretty cool. Maybe the slider gets better. Maybe the curveball is there. Maybe our site improves as well. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, to forty three. And are you okay with that being Ian Anderson fast? Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced about Ian Anderson. <laughs> Everyone I, is so undecided about Ian Anderson. Yeah, I just like I I don't know if he's I don't know where the next tier is for him right i don't know where the ceiling is for him and if it could theoretically be higher than anything that he did before i think we can now agree that the like 32 innings pitch sample size for 2020 is smoke and mirrors right he's not a 30 percent k right guy he's not like a two era kind of guy he's got a high walk rate he didn't mitigate hard contact particularly well he's if you look at the player pages on pitcher list, he's not in the top 50 in swinging strike rate and X Woba and whip. I don't really like the park that he's in. I think there's still a fair amount of injury concerns. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, obviously the changeup is really good at swing and miss. And, you know, has got a lot of great pieces about like, yeah, stuff plus says that he's not good, but he could be the exception to the rule of stuff plus because he keeps outperforming what it is. But like, I think when I look at all that, I'm like, why are we drafting him as if he's going to be some like mid three ERA guy with like a 28% K rate? Like if he's just relying on deceptive mechanics, I just don't know. I can even look at what my projection was for him, but yeah, I'm not fully sold. So to answer your question really quickly, I'm not expecting a 28% strikeout rate for me and Anderson, but like, I I think it's going to be hovering 25 through the year. Um, Ian Anderson. I mean, it was also a topic of our discussion beforehand. Um, before the podcast ta- started about active spin. And what was that nugget that you wanted to to share about Ian Anderson's active spin? Yeah, so Ian Anderson actually has the a very poor spin rate on his four-seamer, four-seamer as a yeah. raw number, on his four-seamer, excuse me, as a raw number, but a, a one of the most efficient um, uh, active spins. So what that means for people who might not be too familiar with that is like, Spin rate as a number in and of itself matters most contextually, right? Whether that be contextually with active spin or contextually as a comparison to other starts to see if maybe sticky stuff was important. Um, 
the fact that he has really, really high active spin means that he's getting a lot of, uh, what is it, Magnus effect, right? He's getting a lot of that spin, and a lot of that spin is mm-hmm. contributing to the movement. So even though the spin itself, the raw number, isn't great, the high spin efficiency means it still gets a decent amount of rise to it, which would benefit the changeup and benefit the curveball. Right. Okay, cool. So so essentially with, with Ian Anderson, how old do you think he is, by the way? 24? He's 23 right now. Okay. Um, turns 24 at the beginning of May. Actually, really close to your birthday, um, which I won't out you here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Taurus unite, baby. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I refused. But um, anyway, uh, Ian Anderson to me is someone that is still in development and moving forward. Um, and in development, still returning a 358 uh, ERA last year, 123 WHIP with a 23 percent strikeout rate. Um, I see 2020 as the year that Ian Anderson takes another step forward, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, 128 innings last year, then you have also postseason stuff, so I imagine the uh, Atlanta's just going to let Ian Anderson pitch the entire way. Pitch efficiency is the number one thing to focus on uh, with Ian Anderson. How how well is he going to throw strikes effectively? His four-seamer only had 63% strikes, and same thing with the changeup. And the curveball that should be this big called strike offering, 18.5% is all right, but just a 55% strike rate. Something has to improve there. We saw glimpses, though. We saw the curveball um, in September have double-digit whiffs out of nowhere. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that given how Ian Anderson pitches, which is very over the top, um, that there are adjustments to be made here with more time that makes him more consistent than someone that is a sidewinder that is a lower horizontal arm angle cut thrown cross body. And I think as we, it just all speaks to me as Ian Anderson gets better, as opposed to this is who he is, because we've only seen 160 total innings of him so far. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea that uh, he goes from here and gets worse um, or that this is who he is. I don't know. I, I kind of feel that there's room for growth here for throwing essentially just more strikes in general. That changeup is just really effective. Um, limits batters to a sub 20% hard contact rate. Um, average of 197 last year, X average of 230. Um, generally, hard contact is about 25% on, on changeups. And that's dramatically better on that. I. I, I, I just see a guy that can get a lot of volume, um, improve on the walk rate, and I, yeah, I'm just excited about it. I don't know. Um, they call it a gut feeling that he gets better because yeah, if you look at it, like if you look at it last year and just say this is who he is, absolutely this is ludicrous mm-hmm. um, at 43 um, because you don't really want to trust this. The walk rate was near 10 percent, not enough in the strikeout department. Uh, his FIP was 412 as opposed to the 358 ERA. I get all of this, um, but yeah, I just kind of feel that Ian Anderson is only going to get better with age and more time developing in the majors, uh, and uh, I'm going to be drafting him a lot. I love it. I love it. I love it because it's a very friendly disagreement, and it highlights the <laughs> fact that we don't know what the hell we're talking no, about. No, we don't. Which is really, really, which is really it's, what's the best part. Look, if we all knew what we're talking about, then like these conversations would be bad. <laughs> It'd be boring. It'd be boring. It'd be boring talk. So, so yeah. Do you want to do a board bet about Ian Anderson? Um, yeah, we can do that because why not? Because it means nothing. Uh, what do you want to yeah, do? Let's Under, see. Uh, let's do ERA. Let's, okay. What do you What do you think it'll be? 
My ERA for him is about like a three nine. All right, yeah, I think he'll be better than the three nine. Okay, you want to well, say put on the board. three? Yeah, over uh, under three seven five. Oh no, three nine. I was gonna say like absolutely under three three nine. Oh, I thought I had it easy. <laughs> no, 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 you're not getting it that easy. Three eight five fast. Th- no, come on. What do you? Th- what, what what is your what is your ERA projection for him? And we'll meet in the middle. Oh, I don't remember. Um, right, oh, I go, have go. I have no way I have it here. You just, okay. I'm gonna say lots of words and as I stall here. Um, I have at three six five. So we'll meet three, in the middle. Six, five, one. Yeah, we'll meet at three seven five. Over under three That's seven not, five. All right. Sure, I'll give you. I'll get. I'll allow it. I have uh, t- to be honest. My, my I'm looking at my projection right now, and it says three eight five. Um, All right, fine. So we're, we're perfect. Ta-da, put it on the board. Somebody, please three please seven five. ERA. Us, who's listening? Ian Anderson. I have Ian Anderson doing better than the three seven five. ERA fast has him doing worse. And if it at if it is at three seven five, then we just then we have you have to kiss. I was gonna say. <laughs> um, okay, great. All right, let's, <laughs> look at us. Look at us. Uh, okay. I, And so before we get to our next person, we got to take a moment for a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back. We're talking number 44 from Bear Valdez. Um, really interesting. One, a little one hitter. Interesting thing that I learned about Framber Valdez. Uh, whole hard hit per plate appearance is a very nice stat that we have on our player pages. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> really poor. In yeah. That category. Really bad. Really bad. However, I took a look. And saw, uh, you know, I was like, well, how many of those are translating to home runs? Framber Valdez, one of the worst home run parks in baseball for a pitcher. Not a lot. He's actually in the bottom 10 of hard hits that turn into home runs in baseball, which is really, really interesting to me. Well, you know why, right? Because he's there. He's just knocking him into the ground. It's 95 miles an hour into the dirt. Number one fly ball rate in like the lowest fly ball rate in baseball it's, it's kind of funny depending defining a fly ball is not an easy thing to do okay mm-hmm. you can say this is a grounder versus a fly ball way easier but then these things call line drives that are just like when does it end mm. so i so in some ways i saw in fan graphs i saw a 15 percent from framer valdez for us we have it defined at 12 percent fly ball rate this this is absolutely insane yeah, across that's all pitches. He has the number one ground ball rate at 73%. So Framber Valdez not allowing fly balls says, yeah, it doesn't matter if I have a 27% home or fly ball rate. It doesn't matter. I'm only going to allow 12 across 134 innings, right? So the thing is, though, as you generally know, over the years, we've talked mm-hmm. about Babbitt with the context of he allows grounders or he hits grounders, so he'll have a higher average because generally those are more favorable for Babbitt, right? 
Yeah. Um, kind of weird to see it just a 268 BABIP last year for Framber Valdez, considering how many grounders and those weren't weak grounders with that terrible hard contact rate. So you see a 125 whip and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to stick, especially considering you had a 10% walk rate. But even so, the 125 whip is not great, Bob, across mm. a lot of innings. Makes me a little concerned. Um, the sinker just got demolished last year. 40% hard contact for plate appearance. Four out of every 10 plate appearances that ended in a sinker were hit above a 95 mile per hour exit velocity. Mm. That's bad. That's not that, good, yeah. That is really, really bad, but the thing is with Framber Valdez is that his curveball is excellent. 11.5% yeah. hard contact, 125 batting average allowed. It's a really filthy pitch, but he didn't get enough strikes with it this past year. And because he only got 60% strike rate, it forced him to throw more sinkers, and in 2020, Framber Valdez's sinker wasn't you know, capitalized on as much, but, I mean... Uh, it, it, the whole package is just weird to me. The changeup isn't great, uh, and the curveball has to do everything. And the nights that the curveball isn't there, things are bad. The nights that the the sinker doesn't get crushed and doesn't allow as many hits, things are good. But uh, it, it, it's it should normalize. You know, we talked about Framber Valdez entering twenty twenty one, thinking he should be in the middle of two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty, as we lazily do sometimes as analysts. Mm-hmm. And what you know, we were right. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna just kind of say this is who he is at this point. He's gonna be tumultuous through the year, but ultimately he's gonna be allowed to go six plus innings constantly um, for what we likely assume will be a winning ball club in Houston. So there's value there, and it's safer than a lot of the guys in the next tier. Um, but I think there is enough of a separation between Bass and Ian Anderson that I'm pushing them up and keeping Framber Valdez down here. Yeah, those are all great points. Um, I was I, I two quick things. One, does Carlos Correa not being there matter? Uh, is, I think is so. That, I mean, well, then yeah. again, the guy that they're bringing up, I believe it's Pena. Uh, I think he's a pretty good defender. Yeah, he's a good defender. So maybe not then. So maybe that stabilizes. The other thing that I thought was interesting is uh, why did we have the same swinging strike rate and a 5% dip in K's, K rate? And Framber Valdez from last year. That was the thing that stuck out. That was interesting to me. And he threw I, I think I have fewer... an answer for you. But all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think it's because he threw more balls. And that's know? definitely a part of it. He he threw fewer pitches and two strike counts. He allowed four percent more balls in play than he did in 2020. And the put away rate in the curveball dropped about five percent. In, in two strike counts, we brought a put away rate earlier. I wondered then if the book is out on him a little bit too, where guys are like, all right, it's two strikes. What's he have? A sinker that I can destroy or one of the best <laughs> curveballs in baseball, right? So he's going to go ahead and throw me that curveball. Um, so I wonder if that mattered at all. I, I like you look at like you look at his numbers, his K percentages, right? Now his innings haven't been great. He's only thrown over 100 once in 2021, 22% K rate in 2018, 21% in 2019, 26% in 2020, both of those with 70 innings pitched, and then 22%. Where do you think he ends in K rate at the end of the year? Um, I'm probably going to say it's going to be around the 22% that we saw in 2021. I'm just distracted right now because this is clearly the below par podcast because i looked at his change up par on our site 
109% last year. So I think something might be wrong with our put-away rate calculations. Yeah, that might be the case. Uh, I, I'm I so was... sorry, everybody. Trust, Please trust our stats. This is a weird one, the made-up one that we had, and... Uh, we're you know that's a weird one but not like normal stuff is fine it's just something weird and par so what did you want to know what who what his so meanwhile but that actually brings us back to chris bassett the league average put away rate in, on a slider is 23 percent. 23 percent. all right cool so it's about um, average love, love to hear that yeah four for ticks above average and then you but wanted yeah. Rambert valdez's change up put away rate no nah, i'm fine i was just looking at it quickly <laughs> and okay. like oh all right i was just testing things i was like yep yeah, this is wrong 450 percent though in 2019 oh well, that's good before we even threw it there were an extra four they, and they swung and also did it they swung it was like times. five multiverses existing yeah, exactly. in one yeah oh, man welcome to a new website guys it's a one i wish all of our thing. listeners could get on our level and talk about multiverse baseball the way that we can oh can we um, have a we already did that on the other multiverse podcast. Okay, oh, brutal. Yeah, um, brutal let's move indeed. On to uh, I believe <laughs> this is a polarizing guy, you know. And I'm Probably I actually honest. wanted no the next one, Nathan Eovaldi. He's very interesting. I'm so happy. You know what I did? I forgot to say I did this, Nick. I took every friggin' picture you have and I typed out every single one so I could have a one through hundred, one through one hundred that I or one through two hundred. I typed out all two hundred so I could look at them in one list. Um, I just wanted to bring that up at the podcast. I'm sorry that isn't available to everybody listening. Well, uh, for we the one need to pay our staff somehow. From from the from the one no, no, but also for the one time of the year that I can say there is no time sensitivity here. So read the dang notes. <laughs> yeah, read the dang notes. Nathan Eovaldi is super interesting. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, uh, the biggest question mark coming into 21 season, the 2021 season, probably for Eovaldi was innings pitched, right? I mean, that was one of the biggest. So uh, health was a major concern. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then what also, Yeah. And then he goes 182 innings, which is great. I don't think that's completely removed from the equation still. Um, but it wasn't as if like the 2020 season was this overwhelming, oh my God, he's incredible. And this is going to work out again. I mean, we had signs that it wasn't really like who he was 372 ERA, um, like a three, nine FIP, one twenty one whip, 26% K rate. And the hip or nine is still really high with him. It was a nine hip or nine last year for Eovaldi. The walk rate at 3.5%, I didn't think could be closely replicated in 2021 that's such an extreme thing in the speech you know it screams small sample size of just nine starts but what does he do 4.3 percent walk rate in 2021 um and the story has always been with with Ivaldi. He throws hard and has nothing else well i overlooked that in those nine starts that the curveball was actually a very effective csw pitch it was a 41 percent rate matched it to the t at 40.6 same exact one in 2021 for you all these curveballs so that got him a ton of strikes um 66 way up from actually 2020 and that changed things at the same time if you rostered evaldi through the season it very much felt like you were rolling the die does he have a secondary stuff or not he got more consistency with his curveball later on at the same time still ended as a 375 which is good especially in a 15 team or something like that absolutely in a 12-teamer, it's not as significant as you'd want it to be. Um, I think there's an an, an, um, an assumption or at least a 
push that it's going to be better for Eovaldi in 2022? I don't know. I don't really think the slider curveball, sorry, the slider splitter cutter are very good for Eovaldi. At least they're not consistent. And the curveball, while at the end of the day, 41% CSW, really cool. Um, I, I remember struggling and watching it and not having it for months last year. And I wonder if Eovaldi is only going to go down instead of up. Uh, so I'm a little hesitant, but I have him here in the mid 40s that like you probably in most you know, scenarios and this. I'm not going to do the multiverse joke you're, that you're <laughs> going to be happy with Eovaldi. And that's why he's here before the, the fun, super fun time of tier uh, seven. But I can't get this out of my head that, yeah, Eovaldi had a nine percent home row five ball rate instead of the career or the last four years of a 14.5 actually 24 percent in 2020 and 25 in 2019 and maybe that is going to return in some way um nathan eovaldi in my research today i found something very interesting about him nathan eovaldi fully changed his four-seamer um he is he is getting more horizontal movement on that four-seamer than he ever has in his entire career uh, and it was just getting more and more horizontal movement over the course of the season, too. Mm. Um, the a majority of the home runs that he's given up in his career have come off of the four-seamer. Uh, let's look at the past three seasons of home run to fly ball rate for Nathan Eovaldi on his four-seamer. 28.6%, 37.5%, 8.2%. So he threw 1,239 four-seamers, and he gave up fewer than 10 home runs of 10% home run to fly ball ratio on that. The fact that he, that that marries a change that he made with the shape of the pitch, getting all that, that horizontal movement to it. Um, I'm really curious to know if a, that's going to stick, if he seems to have kind of solved that problem. And if it does regress back to the mean, if it maybe regresses more back to his 11, 12, 13% career average, as opposed to like 28, 29%. I'm also really curious about that slider. If he's getting more horizontal movement on that slider, which is a different pitch, if it's the reason why the slider had a career-high swinging strike rate, that's a pretty big shift. He made the slider a bigger part of his arsenal. It used to be a pretty big part of his arsenal. Then he dropped it for a few years. Then he brought it back up again last year. And while it didn't perform perfectly, uh, it still had like a 312 Woba, which isn't terrible, but I wouldn't really call it great. Um, the 16.5% swing strike rate is enough for, for me to think that that's for real. I don't know. I'm kind of, um, I, I wonder if he went to the Tampa Bay, excuse me, Boston Red Sox, uh, <laughs> and the Tampa Bay, I mean, Boston Red Sox front office said that maybe this is what you should be doing. And maybe he did. And I think I kind of might be in on Nathan Eovaldi. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can buy the, uh, <clears throat> by that drastic change hard contact was just two points lower not dramatically down to like 20 percent or so flyball mm-hmm. rates were even higher um as well on that four seamer i think you just got kind of lucky uh with the homer flyball rate yeah 8.8 percent versus 27 and 26 in the previous two seasons um is very startling uh yeah. i mean let's just it's a lot to describe to luck right i mean i'm not saying that it's going to be all of a sudden down to 25 percent or so but even if you cut the difference or something like that, which maybe you shouldn't be doing, uh, that is a very significant rise in in home runs allowed, and that's going to make it harder 
for Eovaldi to you know suggest improving that three seven five ERA. Um, so I don't know what to make of Eovaldi. I hope he does really well. You know, it doesn't help pitching in the AL Beast too. Um, and yeah, it's I I just don't think there's enough that's enticing for me. Uh, to really suggest that he can really become this major uh, force on your pitching staff. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's <laughs> move on to a guy that we uh, never have talked uh, about. Oh, man. This we've, is never, we've never talked we've never, about him. Oh, you, 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 you have a really big problem with throwing me down rabbit holes, as we always know, and I'm already starting to go That's down what this. We make each other better because of it. That's true. That's true. Um, a guy that we've already talked about, yeah, extensively, uh, both in podcasts before and on the Joe PCP of Fantasy Pros podcast this past week, and that's Marcus Stroman. Why don't you give us uh, a little TLDR on the Marcus Stroman because we still have other guys to talk about. It's kind of similar to Framber Valdez in that 151st in hard contact allowed among starting pitchers last year for Stroman. High ground ball rate at 23rd um, in the majors. I, it's fine. Like, he's going to help. I don't think it's going to be a 302 ERA. Um, walk rate at 6% is good. Strike rate at 21 to 22 is good. Um, I don't really... I'm not going to make the assumption that all of a sudden he's going to fix his cutter or his slider. We've been kind of hoping that would be a major push for him for a while. It's uh, it's not great. I will say, his four-seamer that he threw 4% of the time had a 21% swing strike rate, which I think is hilarious and awesome. That is funny. Uh, and Strowman, please do that and throw it up in the zone. And he tried to do that, I think, at the high lock of uh, near 50% high location. Um, I just I, By the way, I don't know if you know this, I just made up terms for like, High location and, and arm side location and G lock. I just call them A lock and G lock and high lock. I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it's like a it's like an Aqua Teen Hunger Force character. Yeah, what's up, low lock? How you doing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, we have that inside of our approach tab with all this stuff. Um, but I, uh, to me, it's it's something that yeah, Strowman's going to pitch a ton. He's always been underneath uh, a four uh, FIP. Uh, through his career but it's never to me going to be that elite arm um and he's going to be putting himself in danger once again with all these ground balls and just subjective to having a uh, higher hit per nine again and the whip is hopefully going to be 115 but it wasn't before for a long time and that could change it it could go back up considering the hard contact load was higher in 2021 than it was in 2019 uh so then when he had that 131 whip so to me, there just isn't enough for me to get excited about Strowman. But then I put him in the top 50 because, you know what, I, I, I recognize this. Mm-hmm. I recognize that Strowman is probably going to help you in your fantasy team. You just stick him in there and let him go the entire year. Great. Does he have the same ceiling as someone like a Logan Gilbert or a Michael Kopech or a Shane Boz? Mm-hmm. No. But those guys come with their concerns. So, you know what? Strowman goes ahead. Yeah, I will. I might want to reserve judgment on Stroman until I see get a better picture of what the opening day infield defense for the Cubs is like. Right now, it's shaping up to be uh, Patrick Wisdom at third, Nico Horner at short, and Nick Madrigal at second, which actually isn't terrible. And then Schwindel Nick Madrigal at first. Schwindel, but I'm not as worried about first. There's not going to be as many balls coming his way. I don't feel like. Um, Horner was fine. A defense, you know, he's Madrigal's an upgrade to David Bodie last year at second base. He's a very good defender. 
so yeah, I'm curious to see what happens there. Um, I personally think with Strowman, like I, I think we can buy some of those whip and K changes because of the changes that he made with the splitter. Um, but I also feel that those are very valid arguments. You already mentioned the guy who is our next person at number 47 on your list. This is an exciting tier 47 through 50. Cause these are like, these could potentially be the guys that we're talking about in four to five years. Uh, one of which could, or two of which could be guys who could be top 10 dudes. I know you're, uh, you're moving this along. I found this just really interesting. What? Um, 59% of Stroman's splitters came in the first two pitches. So early counts. Interesting. Yeah, not as late. I mean, 31% in two strike, but still not as like the overwhelming strikeout pitch. I thought it was a very consistent, inconsistent one through the year. My God, oh, it, it drew me nuts. Like you didn't know on a yeah. given day if Stroman had the splitter or not. And then, it, it, okay, then it was, some games was just a sinker and it wasn't very good. Um, just not consistent enough. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe he's a 20%, 21% striker rate. Fine, but he's not going to be like a 25%. I don't see that for Stroman. Just wanted to say that, get that out of the way. So that's funny. So Fangraphs actually has a has him throwing one splitter all year. Um, Change up then then, is what they have it as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The twenty has him as a twenty four percent K rate. I wonder then too what the woba on. Um, someone did some research. It might have been Josh Herzenberg on Twitter or someone else about how the best pitch to throw uh, as a first pitch last year by woba was the yeah. splitter. No, no and surprise I, whatsoever, because it's not yeah. going to end in that bat. It's often going to be a ball. And then when it is a strike, it's likely not even swung at. And if it is, it's because they're expecting a fastball. So no surprise oh. whatsoever. Thanks to, so he threw 69 first pitch splitters. Uh-huh. Um, and it only, uh, only five at bats ended in right. it. Uh, so really small sample. It's a 176 Woba, which is great, but it's nothing really to write home about. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That, that, by the way, so we're done with that tier now. The tier is gone. It's in the past. The tier is gone. It's in the past. We got the fun tier now. Now it's the, the fun. This is the best. These are. Yeah. Oh, this is like this is what happens every year is I go through the motions like, yeah, I have to rank these guys. And then it's a list of there's a part of me that wonders if I can just draft a team based on this tier alone and like not have any pitchers but about six or seven of these and see how i would do there's be a bad idea that, a terrible idea <laughs> not a terrible idea um well let, let's kick it off then because right these are these are the fun fun boys these are the fun boys <laughs> and we're gonna start with you know fun but also frustrating because we're really going off gut a little bit here right we're mm. going off like this is what their stuff is, and that's kind of all we have, um, especially with the first guy that we're going to talk about who has fewer than 100 career innings pitched at the big league level, used uh, mostly in relief last year, but started four games with a 3.5 ERA and a 2.97 FIP overall, and that is Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech, there's a reason he's from Mount Pleasant, Texas. He- Oh, very nice. Yeah, very it's not good. Mount, Mount, I don't know, discomfort. Very um, good, yeah. The, Mount uh, Tommy John. <laughs> um, it's interesting. We have him as a relief pitcher currently that will change if he's confirmed as a starter and all. Um, but among relievers, he's 41st in hard contact. But if his 18.2% were as a starter, then that would be among the top five um, in hard contact allowed last year. And this is how I see this. If Michael Kopech is confirmed, 
to be a starter for the White Sox. I can make an argument that he should be drafted above Dylan Cease even. Hmm. Um, because 36% strikeout rate, 351 ERA, 113 whip, including uh, just under 70 full innings in the big league level last year. Uh, 44 games in four starts. And those that are wondering, hey, he didn't throw that many innings, so how can you expect anything above like 120 or something like that? As a reliever, he was used through the year. And that essentially means that his his uh, volume, or not his volume isn't in question, but his intensity matches someone like Shane McClanahan or something from last year. Um, I mean, the guy was used a ton, and that's you know the stress put on an arm. Um, it's not about necessarily the innings; it's about you know the frequency and the intensity. So don't worry too much about that. Sure, it wasn't like a full season of sixty-five plus appearances, so it's not like hundred fifty innings or hundred sixty equivalent, but Think of it like that 120 range or so. So that means to me that the White Sox could throw him like 150, 160 innings if he is as a starter. Um, And the stuff is just ridiculously good. I mean, his four-seamer is amazing. 15% swing strike rate last year, averaged 97-plus on it. Uh, Slider is filthy as well. I mean, 35% CSW, all the good things you want, 11% hard contact allowed. He has a changeup and a a curveball as well. He didn't really throw it much as a reliever. Um, but the curveball was a high called strike pitch, a 26% usage and 34% CSW despite its 7% usage. And Kopech, to me, with just that three-pitch mix, and sometimes you'll see the change up, but not much as a reliever. There was sometimes, I remember getting excited earlier on when he used to throw that. But when we saw Kopech as a starter, and I want to mention this because our player pages... Um, our play- oh, there's two things i got to mention about our player pages. One, if you look at the game log, we made it so that if they started a game... The uh, the result is in bold. So, like, on May 14th, you'll see that's bold for Kopech because he started that game. And if you hover over it, it'll say if you relieve it, leader started. Um, but when he started on April 25th, he had 10 strikeouts in five innings against Texas. Absolutely dominated for a 39% CSW across 87 pitches. Like, if you want to know kind of what he can do, it's that. The second thing about our player pages, our pitch type is stack cast, but it's before the correction. Mm. You know, so sometimes like they'd have the live one and then they sometimes correct it later. It's rare when they do a correction, but sometimes they do and we're not grabbing that yet. We might be able to just as a heads up to everybody that says, hey, wait a second. I think it was most apparent with Carlos Hernandez's um, sinker usage versus four seamer. And there is a difference there. We figured it out. Um, I'm going to get to the bottom of it if to see if we can get the corrected one and maybe do something like a day later fix it or something like that. But I uh, just so you guys know, if you have any questions, but it's like, hey, you said it was this. It is. It's just they're sneaky. <laughs> so we got to We got to count for the sneakiness. Um, but anyway, Kopech is dope. It should make you feel dope. And I think if he's starting like he's just going to be great. Like, I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't. Yeah, it's just that scary thing. Jeff Zimmerman, one of the best out there with the uh, mining the news. Michael Kopech will be unlimited innings and possibly used as an opener. No, thanks, Bob. Wait, as an opener? Yeah. Don't say that. Yep. Not interesting. I mean, it's it's Dallas Keuchel and Renato Lopez as the four and five then for the Mm -hmm. White Sox. Like, come for now. Come on. Oh, you're right. Free agency and stuff. Sure. But what are you doing? That's it's a little it's a little crazy. It's yeah, it's crazy, I, I'm yeah. with you on that one. Um, 
Okay, let's move on to another really exciting young arm that we wanted to talk about. The Wizard of Boz, Shane Boz, coming in at number 48. Likely going to get what is the Tampa Bay treatment when it comes to young arms, right? Which has often come up, maybe come out of the bullpen for a little while, get acclimated, and then unleash hell. He did have 13.1 in his pitch last year with three starts. Love that 203 ERA and a 37% K rate. It's really tough to not get excited about Shane Boz. What are you thinking about here? I mean, Shane Boz is phenomenal. Just look at Shane McClanahan's usage in 2021. And I think that's what Boz is going to do for the Rays, which was essentially Mm -hmm. about 120 innings. I don't really see that being any different. So they'll probably bring him up. I mean, this is barring the CBA, you know, being similar in the way of usage and bringing up and all that kind of stuff. But I they brought up McClanahan near the end of April and they let him go. The ramped up his inning. So four then five eventually then got to a peak of six and then slowed it down as it went on. I think you're going to see the similar thing from uh, for Shane Boz this year, which is good. I think Kopech could throw more innings um, mm, and that's why I have him. I think it's a clear path, not to mention also just if you're drafting Boz, which I'm not saying don't do. Just be ready for the first three weeks to have a dead spot on your bench. And you also have to really have the discipline that when you hear no news about Shane Mm -hmm. Boz, that, you know, it's April 14th and you hear nothing about Shane Boz and you can't just call up the Rays and be like, yo, what's up, Rays? Um, Is Shane Boz coming up on Monday? That would be great. What's the deal here? You won't know anything. So just, just be ready to endure that and really be disciplined but we expect Shane Boz up it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great you're gonna feel like the coolest kid on the block when you got him uh, I, I you know I don't really need to talk much about his repertoire it's an amazing fastball slider I find him and Kopech pretty similar um, I think Boz is a little bit better um, with his stuff but I think the security of Kopech because I do believe that the White Sox are gonna ultimately let Kopech start and then he would get more innings than Shane Boz which means I have Kopech one spot ahead and Shane, Shane Paz is going like 20, 30 picks ahead of Kopech yeah. right now. I mean, it's all, like 40, it's all like guesswork. 40. It's all guesswork is the thing. Because, I mean, I, I think we all agree that Shane Boz, you know, pitch per pitch is better than Kopech. It's just we don't know what Kopech is doing, how the Rays are going to treat Boz. It's all weird man he's going right behind mccullers that just kind of i don't know that, that, i think there's a lot of helium going on right there and i don't know now, if i like it keep in mind I'm, a lot of those drafts uh the adp was influenced by draft champions which makes boz a better pick because that's the draft and hold this is fantasy pros oh is this fantasy pros i throw that all away what am i no, talking no, no. about i should have stated it clear because i usually do go to nfbc and this is fantasy pros i apologize i should have said that earlier yeah he's 126 right now overall pros. yeah yeah i remember being little, like 140 or so yeah wow it's a bridge too high. far for me yeah maybe it's because i'm too risk averse um another guy yeah. that we wanted to talk about coming in at number 49 let me just let me just Hand the mic on over to my good friend Nick Pollock and let him preach well, you the good gospel. You haven't talked a lot in the past couple guys. I want you to get your bits in. Well, um, I, 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 I mean, you know how I feel about Stroman Kopech. I mean, I, I'm, I, I really am with you on both of those guys. Where it's like the upside is clearly there. It just comes down to innings, right? It just comes down to innings, and we have no idea what the what the utilization is going to be on that Kopech. How many innings are we going to get from the Irish Panada himself, Patrick Sandoval? 
Yeah, that is a really good question because of the health, right? There's always been injury concerns when it comes right. to Patrick Sandoval, right? So at the end of the year, we ended up seeing fewer than 100 from him. Uh, if he does stay healthy, what, 130, 140? I mean, if he stays healthy, then he's then he's unleashed. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, like if you're saying 130, 140, that's like a month missed or something like that. Um, and that's possible. I mean, we could be seeing that maybe three weeks you know, and change from Patrick Sandoval being missed. But man, Mr. 32 whiffs himself. Uh, 29% swing strike rate on his changeup is just glorious. And that's a pitch he throws 30% of the time. Um, and Patrick Sandoval also has a slider that has a 34% CSW and a 66% strike rate. Those are two amazing secondaries that get him constant strikes. It's wonderful problem says four seamer and sinker aren't that good i will say sub 30 percent hard hit uh hard contacts it's not like framber valdez of like the 40 percent hard contact and his sinker yeah um, these are not as constantly destroyed but they weren't very good in the the, uh, the csw departments just 26 percent of the four seamer 26 also on the sinker um I, I want to get a little more excited on the sinker just because it had a 36% O-swing, which is what you want to see on a sinker. But yeah, just a 7% swing strike rate on Sandoval's four-seamer. There are a lot of days that we saw last year, though, that he was able to survive with those two fastballs, mm-hmm. and the changeup and slider just dominated batters. Uh, there's also a curveball in there that I didn't really mention because it's 57% strike rate, but super high called strike rate. 36% called strike rate for Sandoval's curveball, throwing 11% of the time. That's pretty funny to me. I don't know if that's going to stick. I don't expect yeah. it to. But if you're wondering why is there all this helium or love for Patrick Sandoval, it's because of that changeup and slider and legitimate whiff stuff that creates this 26% strike rate. He, he was an absolute ace for like a month last year, yeah. without a doubt. Arguably won me tout. I swing strike rate 16%, which is 13th among starters, 21.5% hard contact. That's at 18% among starters, high ground ball rate, 52%. That's 32nd. Like all these good things. Um, 21% in CSW at 32%. So Patrick Sandoval has all these points in his favor. It's just, is a fastball going to get crushed? And how much are we going to see with him with that back injury that ended his season early last year? We'll see. I'm excited though. I don't know if... I don't know if this ranking bakes in enough risk mm. that he could be a 180, 90, whatever innings pitch guy with a four ERA. I, I very much agree that the changeup is, I mean, it's you should, really tough. You should have said those backwards. You should have said an 80, 90, 100 innings, not 100. I want people to, 80. I, I, not 100, <laughs> 80, yeah, yeah, 189. It's not 180. <laughs> Yeah, it's either 80, 90, or 100 uh, baked in there. And also a guy that has a a pretty historic issue with command that doesn't seem as if it was particularly righted last year with a 10% walk rate. one pushback I'll have on that, yeah, the 10% walk rate, it is control. But because of the low hard contact, I'm more inclined to accept it as something that Maybe honestly, he can throw more strikes and like be get away with it, you know, and have a balance with that. Uh, but you are right. I mean, this is this is why it's a super fun tier, but also like it's a terrible idea, as I mentioned, to actually draft a team full of these. Mm. And why I have Fran Bravaldas and Marcus Stroman ahead because these guys are risks. Um, 
they are super fun when they're pitching and we get so hyped about it. But for the full season, yeah, you're you're totally right. Uh, maybe maybe his fastball control isn't good enough. Maybe he's relying too much on the O swing of that changeup. Um, you know, forty five percent. They only had a sixty three percent strike rate on it, and he doesn't really have that sixty eight percent, seventy percent strike rate pitch to then turn him into a six seven percent walk rate guy, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of risk here, but man, it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him. I mean, he's outside the top 200 in terms of drafts right now. So I would say use, Ooh. in my opinion, use this ranking not as a, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in my opinion, use this ranking as a guy, not that you should reach for, but when it gets to the 200s that you'd be fine to take. Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, I preach this list as like in generally as the order of guys I draft or the 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 order I draft guys, but I then say inside the writing, like, look, I put him into tiers because sometimes I'm picking a guy from this tier, picking a guy from that tier. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I talked about it a lot with Severino and, and Clevenger being like, I have them here, but this does not mean that I'm taking them before some other guys. Uh, it just means that in general, I kind of feel like they should end up better, but you don't always want to put yourself in the way of too much risk in your draft. Yeah. So do what you need to do in your draft. That's the most important thing. The last guy that we're going to talk about today is a guy that I think I'm getting more excited about the more that I research because of the fastball just in and of itself, and that is Logan Gilbert. So Logan Gilbert, we saw his debut excuse me, last year, ends up with about 120 innings pitched, a 4.68 ERA, which isn't great, but a 3.73 FIP with a 3.87 Sierra. Definitely was known for his command and control as he came up through the minors, and that showed with a 5.6% walk rate. End of the year with a 25.4% K rate, a pretty nice near 13 or 12% swinging strike rate, and a 1.17 whip, which doesn't really line up with that ERA. Usually with that ERA, I feel like you're talking about a 1.2. We've talked, I don't want to say ad nauseum because that's not the case, but we've mentioned before that the fastball, really fantastic last year, 18.3 PVAL with an 11% swinging strike rate, 304 WOBA, which is, again, good, not great, but very good. Um, I think this could be the year that we see Logan Gilbert take a step forward with either of those breaking pitches. And if he does, if he can take a step forward with that slider, if he can take a step forward with that changeup, both of which had plus 15% swinging strike rates, it could be a real nice year, especially considering that real nice park that he's in. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Seattle likely will send him 160, 170 innings out there. I don't really see Mm -hmm. any restrictions coming after throwing 24 starts last year for Logan Gilbert. Yeah, um, the you know it's it's funny when we talk about like pitches taking a step forward. I think we don't really talk enough about the impact that has because last year Logan Gilbert's uh, four seamer thirty six percent hard contact rate. That's really high. You don't want to see that. Uh, that's hard hit over plate appearance. And I think if he had a more consistent slider or change of a curve or whatever, then guys wouldn't be sitting dead right on heaters as much which means that the results of fastballs will get better 307 BABIP last year seemed in line uh, for the most part so that's yeah that's a huge part for Logan Gilbert can he improve that fastball or improve those secondaries and yet the the leading one is the slider which only had a 25% CSW and a 55% strike rate last year Mm. that needs to change and he threw that a quarter of the time 
Uh, the changeup and the curveball combined for 15% usage between them. I don't know if he's going to get that slider. There were moments, there were stretches when the slider was cooking, everything was all right, and then he lost it. And that's a big if to me. That's the only reason why I'm not pushing Logan Gilbert farther up in my drafts. I, I want to buy this one. And in some ways, I have a gut like I do with Ian Anderson that Gilbert will do that. I I just can't pull away from that he didn't have it consistently last year. The curveball, not at all. 42% strike rate on that. Change at 44%. Again, there were times where both of those did work too for Logan Gilbert. The slider is the biggest chance. But if that isn't there again, yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried that Logan Gilbert's going to have a high ERA once again as he allows a lot of home runs, a 12% home fly ball rate. But he's allowing a good amount of fly balls in general, uh, 42% for us. It, it, a lot of hard contact, 30%, ranked uh, 157th across starters mm-hmm. last year. Not great. So I don't know. It, it's you know This is the, the tier of what risk are you going to say they get over, right? Kopak, is he going to start? Yeah. Um, Boz, uh, how many innings are you willing to endure there? Um, Patrick Sandoval, it's a mixture of health and how much the, the fastball is going to not be crushed again. And sure. Gilbert, it has, is the slider actually going to come into fruition? Generally, this is the biggest one of expecting a pitch to get better. Because if it doesn't, you're going to see a, sub, a, a plus four ERA again from Logan Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, it's the toughest thing, right? It's like, it's easy to say... What a, f- I mean, I don't want to say it's easy to say what a floor can be, but it's always difficult to say what a player would need to do to be able to take the next step, right? Finding right. guys, especially guys who are established and trying to figure out what they would need to do to take that next step is what makes pitching projection so hard. And it's why ATC Son. and bad X are so much more reliable for hitters than they are for pitchers, in my opinion, because there's just so many unforeseen circumstances. So yeah, but I, I do like summating it as like, if you think he can take that next step with either of those breaking pitches, then Logan Gilbert might be for you. If you're worried that pitching prospect growth is not linear, then he could theoretically take a step back. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a very good point. Um, Nick, we did it. We had a yeah. nice, short, truncated podcast. Oh, yeah. It we actually did go quick. a little bit long on this one. You're right. Thanks for saving we me. Did. Oh, man. You're welcome. It was quick, brisk, <laughs> to the point. But that is going to do it then for episode number three. Oh, six of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys later this week.